Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation with two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and the world of pop culture. So we decided to combine the two. I'm Kara Kirby. And I'm Virginia Martinez. We work with organizations all over the world to inspire and implement people-first practices. We're here to talk about navigating the workplace, and we do it through the lens of great television. Let's get into it. Okay, welcome back, everyone. We are on Season 3, Episode 10, and this one is titled International Break. So we are so excited to talk about this episode because there's a lot of good things to start going into motion. So Virginia, will you please give us a recap of this episode? Yeah, this is one of those like kind of classic feel-good Ted Lasso episodes where like every high note is just gorgeous, right? And there's these wonderful things all woven together. First, we find out Nate has parted ways with West Ham. We're going to get a little bit into why he left. Um... We are also, um, we see that Sam's having a great winning streak, and yet my buddy Edwin Okufu comes back into the picture. We're going to talk about that and prevents him from joining the Nigerian team. Actually, paid $20 million to keep him off the Nigerian team because he's so bitter and petty. But during all this, it's an international break because um, a couple players are going back to represent their country's team, including Danny Rojas and Van Dam. And we see this hilarious Jekyll and Hyde moment with Danny Rojas. Like when, when he's your, he's your team member, he's delightful and sweet and just like a sunflower come to life. And then when he's your <laughs> competitor, you're my enemy. <laughs> you're my enemy. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, there's also a really, um, we see Keely finally parting ways with Jack. Jack um, pulls out the investors, right? Pull out all their funding for Keely's PR company, gives her no notice. Um, so we see a little bit of that. But that's that's the backdrop here. Um I also think one last thing I would say is that I thought this was a really nice, I don't know if we want to call it closure for Rebecca and Ru- well, Rebecca, not Rebecca and Rupert, but Rebecca with mm. Rupert. I thought this was a really nice move. Finally, we get to this moment where she's no longer intimidated by him. Yeah, I love it. I can, that that's, yeah, we're going to unpack that scene. It was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and I completely forgot. It's Uncle Day. They <laughs> Phoebe organizes uh, Uncle. I don't even know if it's a real thing, but organizes Uncle Day to celebrate Roy, and invites Jamie. And um, you know, it's it's yeah. quite sweet. Yeah. So this whole this whole episode has like a lot of little random things, and yet it's woven together really beautifully. It is a feel good, very funny episode. Um, all right. Where should we start? I think we need to start with Nate, actually, because we haven't been talking about him too we haven't. much. Yeah, and the way they're telling his story is is kind of like a it's so oh, it's so good, and it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. So in the last in the last episode, we didn't talk about this, but rupert sees that nate has this girlfriend he's starting to have happiness and i guess out of jealousy or control whatever's in his twisted little mind he invites nate out to go to this guy's night and on the guy's night 
Rupert brings some female companions and Nate makes a decision. It's a very sophisticated way to say it. <laughs> I know. Well, you know. Um, so, so Nate opts out. He is like, you know, I'm not going to go and do this. And he quits. And so now he is in bed and he's depressed and he's thinking that he ruined his life, kind of. But I actually really love that scene where Jade comes in before she leaves and she's like, well, do you wish you wouldn't have? And he says, no. And then she says, well, then you know you made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that we can, I, yeah, I think that we can kind of yeah. unpack that for a second about like making big decisions in your life. Yeah. And like, how do you, how do you know it's the right decision to make when it's time to leave a job, when it's time yeah. to move on to something else? Yeah. I'm always, um, always sensitive and giving folks this advice. Cause I think it's like, if you're so unhappy, if you feel like you're constantly feeling having to show up and put on a mask or pretend to be someone else, mm-hmm. you should get out of there. However, that implies that financially you're fine. Right. So like, when we don't have financial security, that's not a, not that easy. But if you do, then I completely think that like sticking around at a place where it is clearly affecting your mental health and your physical health, you need to get out. And even if you can't get out right away because of whatever responsibilities, make a plan to get out. Start mm-hmm. a, like make a plan to get out. Give yourself some like, like I'm going to give myself two months, three months, whatever. Um, Because it's, yeah, you got to go. But what would you say are those telltale signs of like, I got to get out of here? I I think it's different for every person. Um, I had a long, I had a really weird relationship with the word quit growing up. So like, I always had this self-sacrifice mentality where I like never, like, I mean, I got this job right out of college that was like the worst job you could possibly imagine. And it was a sales job, like going door to door. And the environment was like, looking back, it, it almost was a TV show. It was so toxic and the people were so brainwashed and weird. Like it was terrible. And like no one in their right mind should have stayed at that company because it was just like, it churned out like naive college graduates that didn't know any better. Right. And I remember having this moment where I was like, this is so horrible, but I have to sacrifice. Like I have to keep sacrificing because I don't quit things. Like that was the mantra that was in my head. Like, like me and my well being didn't matter as long as I like stuck with it and I like white knuckled it. And So I, and so it took me a long time. It took me a long time to put myself first and realizing that like leaving an unhealthy environment is not the same thing as quitting. Like putting yourself first is not the same thing as quitting. And that being said, I think that you have to, I I would say the first step if we're being really practical is to go interview. Like Mm -hmm. that's the way you get your power back. If you're starting and you actually should go interview for a job, even if you love your job once a year, someone gave me that advice. I think it's great advice. Like keep that practice, keep that, keep that rehearsal up inside of your career. But if you are feeling like you're, um, you like, you're like, you don't know if it's the right decision and you're feeling like really worn down and you're feeling really fatigued in your job, like go interview and go see what's out there because that. 
it might change your mentality. Totally. It might like make you feel more powerful. And also it might open your eyes to a lot of great opportunities that are, that you didn't know existed. I've also seen it work where if, if it's kind of like you're unsure and you feel stuck, interviewing can help you say like, you know what, this place ain't so bad. I'm going to figure out how to grow within here, then try to leave, right? Because you always want to be running towards something, not away. I think that's really important, you know, but granted, if you're in a dire state where your mental health is being challenged and you're crying every day and you're complaining all the time, and I'm not saying complaining's bad, but you know what I mean? Like if you've got your same sort of, if you start to feel like you yourself are a broken record, something's got to change. Um, so either you need to figure out how to like change the path within the organization you're already in or change the path mm -hmm. to like get out. Right. Um, I, I think also it's quite natural going like, I don't quit or I can't believe I didn't hack it. Right. Like, or why is this so hard? Why am I not getting it? I think you folks don't realize that, um, just like any other relationship, you can outgrow it. You can outgrow an organization. You can outgrow a team. You can outgrow a manager. And also a company may outgrow you. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's like, they're just the container no longer fits for you. Like that's, that's often that feeling we get like, Oh, that uncomfortableness is like, you are either uh, in a container that's too big and you're being stretched and you're being asked to fill it in a way that feels really uncomfortable, or you're in a container that's too small where you just want to bust out. And that when you feel that way, you got to figure out like, have I outgrown this? Do I need to grow into this? Where else can I put myself? Right. The last thing I'll say about this too is as you're thinking about leaving or what's next, ask yourself, have I gotten everything out of this organization that I can get? And what I mean by that <laughs> is from a learning perspective, everything that this place has to offer in terms of I could leave here and say, I did X, Y, and Z. Have I actually done that? Right. So how can I help this current moment <laughs> well, or how can I use this current moment to help me open future doors? So stop thinking about, have I offered enough value? Um, can I work harder? Have I gotten enough? Have I gotten enough value from this place? And if yes. you have, and sometimes we're like, yeah, I got in everything I got. It's time to go. Or like, you know what? No, like, let me dedicate the next year to really using this place to my advantage. Yeah. Because wherever you go, there you are too. Like, it, like you might need to have an epiphany that you are the one that has work devotion and you are the one that doesn't know how to shut your computer down at six o'clock and you're wearing yourself out. Like there, there are situations where, or you're not taking like, just like what you just said, or that you're not, you're so busy trying to like make everyone happy that you're not taking care of yourself in the organization. Like sometimes you do need to have that epiphany that like you have to change yourself inside of a work environment. Cause you're just like, I realized that whenever I started my own business that I like my work devotion followed me. Like I still have anxiety that I'm not doing enough and I own my business. Right. Like it's, it, it's wild to me. So, yeah. So I, I love that advice of like, figure out if you're doing everything that you can in the place that you're at. Yeah. And I will say if you've now changed jobs a couple times, you're like, every place is the same. I can't believe it. Everywhere I go, there's this, <laughs> this, and that. It's like, it's me. 
hi, I'm the problem. It's me. You know, I'm not saying that like <laughs> jerks won't exist at other places or that, that you won't see repetition of stuff. But what Kara is saying is true. At some point you're like, how do I contribute to this dynamic? And often it's when you switch jobs and you're like, oh man, I still have the same challenges here. It's like, hmm, why might that be? <laughs> the constant is me. <laughs> it's time to pick up a book. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's humbling. I mean, it's humbling, like, especially the work devotion thing and the work, like being a workaholic. And, you know, I had that, like, I was like, oh my God, this place is just abusing me and making me work so hard. And I like blamed it on the company. And then I switched jobs and I was still working around the clock. And I was like, oh, I do it because it's, that's the way I'm wired. I'm wired this way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to go fix that. <clears throat> okay, last thing on this that I'll say is that my two favorite pieces of advice that I'm making a hard decision in my life have been, one's from my stepdad and the other one was from a mentor at my first company. So um, is if there's a fork in the road, take it. I think I, I, I think it, and that's a Yogi Berra. It was so funny when he first told me this. I like had to go look it up because I didn't know that this was a baseball player that had all these like really good yeah. um, quotes. And I went back and I was like, just research that totally thought you were quoting Yogi Bear, but there's a different person. So, but I think that's like a really easy way. Like if there's like a big change that's happening, a big opportunity, just take it. If there's a fork in the road, just take it, right? Like let yourself just have the grace to try something. And the other thing is that as long as the choice is yours, it's going to be the right choice. I think there's power in both of those statements of like, yeah. don't need to spend hours and hours debating, like, is this the right thing to do? Like, are you making a choice and it's yours? It's going to be fine. If there's a fork in the road and you take it, it's going to be fine. But yeah, I think also if you make a choice and it turns out not to be fine, that's also okay. Like you made that decision and that choice at the moment when you had, yeah. you had the information you had and you were solving for whatever the situation needed at that time. Like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean you're a real jerk and, and dummy or whatever. It just means like you did, you made the best choice you could with the information and motivation you had at that time. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And if you're starting over, you're starting, you're not starting, you're never starting over. <laughs> if you already had a job, you're never starting over. You're starting from a place of experience. It's yeah. not from scratch anymore. So you have to let that fear go as well. Yeah. I, um, I really, okay. I, you know, I love Sam Richardson, the actor that plays Edwin Okufu. Oh, we know. He's your best friend. Well, I, I hope are, if you're out there, <laughs> um, I loved him in Veep. Um, he was in the show most, he's been in a ton of stuff, but he's in, been in the show most recently that, oh, I didn't even bring this up the other day. Um, the after party. Have you seen this? Oh my God. Yes. I love that show. He plays Anik in that. I mean, he's been in a number of things, but he's, he's so freaking funny. Um, he obviously has something. He's so angry still with Sam that Sam said no to join his African league and will, is still holding it against him. He, <laughs> so Sam goes into his restaurant and it's like empty and he's like, Hey, what happened? It's like, we out. He's like, I thought we were, full i thought every all the tables were booked and <laughs> i loved it too edwin oku was like that's because i called and made all the reservations and he goes through and does all these impersonations of different voices he's french he's texan he's british he's whatever 
And it reminded me, I, I don't know if you know this about me, actually, one of my absolute, I would say top two favorite shows, TV shows of all time is I Love Lucy. Ooh. Oh, you have told me that. And uh, the other one is Golden Girls. And, um, but I Love Lucy, um, like, is so, to me, like, it's so good. And there's a very similar episode where Lucy does the same thing, calls and pretends and does all these voices to, like, book up the 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 club where um, Ricky is playing. So it reminded me that it's hilarious. I just thought it was just, like, very um, clean humor, but he did it so well. And um, we find out that, obviously, he's preventing... Um, Sam from being on on the Nigerian team. We also find out that he wants to put together this thing called the Super League, where it's the cream of the crop, the best teams, and it's going to make the owners a whole lot more money because the ticket prices will be higher because fans will be playing to see the the best of the best compete. And that sort of is how we pull in this Rebecca and Rupert storyline because they both go to attend this meeting with Edwin Okufu. And Edwin's really pitching this notion of like, and I can make you rich. Super team. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Rebecca basically, I mean, this was really nice too. I think we can talk about this, but says like, how much money do you all need? First of all, and you're forgetting why we do this. It's for the love of the game. And just because we hold on, yeah. we have got to back up. This scene is like my favorite scene of the um, season. I know. So we got to build it up a little bit. Okay. So what? Okay. So let's back up. What does Rebecca do before she goes to this meeting? <clears throat> well, first of all, she goes and has a conversation with Higgins. And I think that this is an important conversation because you, if you are a woman, you might find yourself in a situation where if you move up the ranks in an organization, you can be the only woman in the room. And it's, and it's unsettling and it can feel very weird and it can feel intimidating. And so what she does is she goes and she asks Higgins and she's like, am I being the token woman here? And, and Higgins is like, who cares? Like, go do it anyways. Yeah. And I, I just love that. I love that notion of, <clears throat> I, I give this talk sometimes to HR professionals about like, you know, like you kind of have to take your power back. Like, mm -hmm. how do you go like light a fire inside of the organization that you feel like you have no power in? And I think that that's part of it. It's like, if you get to that room, like go mess up that room a little bit. Mm -hmm. If we're not paying people equally, go tell women that are applying to that job that they need to be asking for more money. Like, I do think we need like a institutionalized like wink. It's like, mm -hmm. all right, you're not asking. Let's like wink at each other. You know, like if you don't know your worth, like go to this class. All right. That's another tangent for another day. No, I, I, no, I love. It. I first of all, I just there's just a recurring joke with Higgins, who I, I just adore Higgins because he's just so thoughtful. He's so funny when he makes that noise, like eh, when he gets, <laughs> when he feels awkward or nervous. Eh, and I like, I can't. It's just I love it ever so much. But Rebecca goes to ask him for advice, and he basically knows again. It's a recurring joke that she's tried a bunch of people, they weren't available, and he's like, "Fine." And this happens to him all the time. He knows he's like usually third or fourth or fifth in line for advice, but when he gives it, it's great. Um, gives her this wonderful advice, like just go see what it is. Like you know, yeah, okay, you are going to be the only woman, but like, go 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 see what what they're going to talk about, and then, unrelated to anything. He talks about how the Willy Wonka kids are get murdered. And like Rebecca's like, I don't I don't think that's what happens in that movie. And with this straight face, he's like, I'm sorry to break it to you, Rebecca. Those kids are dead. <laughs> 
I laughed so hard at that. Anyway, I just, I, I freaking loved Higgins. Okay. Hilarious. So yes, she gets a pep talk. She knows she's going to be the only woman. She's brought this up in the past before that when she goes into these meetings, she always feels like they just look at her like a little girl with pigtails. So she gets in front of the mirror and does these power poses to like pump her up and goes in there and just cuts through their bullshit. Well, she first, yeah. And she sees them. She goes in there and she looks at them like little toddlers. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's what you need to be doing. These people that you're intimidated by, like, I always think about my sons, right? Like, I'm like, these little goofballs, like, how could anyone, like, they're going to grow up and just be like bigger versions of the goofballs that they are right now. But somebody is going to be intimidated by them just because they'll be like tall guys at some point in time in their lives, right? Yeah. And it's like, no, those are like two little babies. And like everyone at that table, like, we need to be looking at people like babies. (laughs) Yes, but those babies do gatekeep certain industries and positions. And those babies also make unwanted sexual advancements and like the guy commented (laughs) commented on her looks and it's like really no matter like if you like if they go low go high like no matter how you do that like walking into a room and someone commenting on the fact that like your outfit looks nice versus like it's so great to have you here because of your perspective fine you can tell yourself like this guy's an idiot i'm so used to dealing with idiots but it's like it it still sucks. Totally. Yeah. And I'm not putting, I will never in my life ever put the blame on the women and like being like, oh, women need to negotiate more and they need to stand up for themselves. Like nothing drives me more crazy than that. But I do think for like your own inner confidence, if like you can, if you can just like remind yourself that you shouldn't be intimidated by anyone, like everyone puts pants on one leg at a time. If you could just like know that internally and realize you're living in a broken system, I just think it could possibly help. Yeah. yeah, And I think, you know, we, we see her get like not rattled, but like, oh, great. Here we go again. Like right out of the gate, you are calling out that I'm a woman. Edwin Okufu also pulls her aside. I'm so glad you're here. And hey, at least we're not the only minorities in the room, like kind of calls out like, (laughs) let's build alliances where we can to some extent, like I'm the only black man, you're the only woman. Um, But yeah, and so then she has this like wonderful, I don't know if we can call it a monologue or what about like, how much money do you do you actually need, you know, and reminds people tells the story about when Rupert was a kid growing up poor, how he would sneak into the games at Richmond. And eventually came back to buy buy the team and you do it for this, this love, like to, and who are they to keep people from having access to the thing that they love? And she says, you know, just because we own these teams does not mean they belong to us. And I thought that was a really nice, we could probably talk about what that, you know, with CEOs or leaders Mm -hmm. of a team, like just because we own these teams doesn't mean they belong to us. I thought that was really lovely. Um, something that people probably should be thinking about a little bit more. And we, we see some CEOs that are really good at this, that really embrace this. And then we see others that don't. Yeah. Right. Like it's this idea of you are like, like once, once a group of people becomes an organization, then they are just a group of humans that are working together. Yeah. You might've started it and you might be funding it, but you do not own those people. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Like they're just a group of humans that are working and you are alongside it. And yeah, I just like in that moment, she was just reminding everyone, like you have a choice. You can use your power for good or you can use your power to go and act like human beings are just pieces on a chessboard. Like you have a choice here and like, you know, Spider-Man it, right? Like with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. It also reminded me of something, um, brought me back to like human centered design and design thinking as, as a lot of things do, or, you know, maybe where I force, force the connection, but um, (laughs) what one trick pony here? Uh, No, I, I think a lot of executives lose touch with their customers, their end users. And so what I really liked about this, right. And you're always thinking about the bottom line and I'm not saying they don't have a stressful job. They, they have to answer to other people too. And, and you know, whatever, but they lose touch with the original value and user and customer and what they set out to do. And so what I really liked when Rebecca was like thinking about the everyday fan, right? Um, She was thinking about those guys in the pub. She wasn't thinking about the bottom line. And I, I, I think more folks really need to do that. You know, when, at, at IDEO, you know, one of the most powerful things you could do with a team of executives was, you know how there was that show like Secret CEO or the CEO would go and like do a job for the day, like in disguise. Well, IDEO would either take those folks on research to just hear stuff or they would compile it as like a report with audio and, and visuals so that they could hear it and experience it. And they were always... Like, cause they would look at like, well, marketing told us this and finance told us they're just looking at spreadsheets all day. They're just looking at spreadsheets all day. But once they actually hear the voice of a customer say, I would never buy this. And here's why they have a reputation. for, And it's like a knife in their heart. They're reminded of like why they do what they do for that customer. It really kind of jolts them out of this this mode. And I, it, anyway, what, what Rebecca did really reminded me of that, reminding people of who they serve, who are, who, who's the end user, who's their customer. And I thought that was really beautiful. I saw this, I saw this Gartner report that just came out and it was a survey of all of the priorities of the CEOs around the country. And like overwhelmingly, like the top of those charts were finance. Finance was number one, like, like how is the company making money, obviously. And then it was the technology that they were investing in. And then it was talent. Like, how do you like spend the least amount of money on people. And like at the very bottom of all of this accumulation of all that data was like the customer and the customer experience. And it's like, this is such a systematic problem that Mm -hmm. people don't understand. Like those things like would get so much more affected if you just listen to your customer and listen to the people who are closest to the customer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and customer centricity is nothing new. Like this term's been used. No. No, for, and, and I How think are people, we still talking about it? How is it still a jolt? You know, like it's just wild to me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think a lot of, especially tech companies lead with um, tech. Like, here's the thing we built. Isn't it cool? It can do this. And it's like, well, do people even need it? Do people even like it? Can people even afford it? Like they don't, these are like afterthoughts, but they lead with like, mm-hmm. isn't this cool? And then there's a bunch of folks that lead with like, this could make a lot of money. There's a whole market for it. It's, we can exploit it. There's not a lot of barriers to entry, like buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. 
but it's like well can you actually build it does something you know like do people want it do people need it like you know what i mean like like those shouldn't like you need to start with those questions do people need it do people want it what does this solve for them how does it make it feel okay now can you build it and will it make you can eventually ask yourself how are we going to build it and how will it make money but if you start with those questions you're going to be doomed yeah yes well um god i the only bummer about this is that like i guess edwin okufu is done i don't know we need to like i'd love this character to come back could he have a spin-off or something i would even if it's just like short youtube videos i'd watch it like i just love him um he's so good should we talk about keely yeah, so Keely gets her VC funding taken away and Jack doesn't even tell her. And it's really just just rude and terrible, but we wouldn't expect anything more about from Jack. So, oh, and I was I gave a little teaser for this on our last episode, but this is my theory on this annoying Keely storyline. It's because she so she fumbled starting her first business and i've already said that i love that they did show that that like nothing happens overnight but i think that the theory with keely is is that she had to stumble and now we're going to get to see her go and do a business her way like with her skills and with her power because before she was like trying to fit herself into a box and it didn't work because she wasn't showing, she wasn't doing things authentically, but now she got to the top of the mountain. So she has this really wonderful conversation with May where she's talking about like being a boss and starting a business. And I have to, I, I got to pause for a second where she goes, Keely goes to May, she goes, it's hard being a boss. Right. And then May says, for some people, it's better to follow your gut than pretend to be excited for somebody else's, right? And and so like we're getting this feeling that that Keely is kind of breaking through this mess and she's going to come out on the other side. So I think that they made they they made that storyline annoying on purpose just because it's like like they wanted us to feel how uncomfortable like Keely was in that situation of trying to like do things under somebody else's like on, on with somebody else's playbook. Yes. I think that's what they're trying to do. I still like reflecting back. It seemed like she had a lot of carte blanche. Like she was able to hire Shandy. She was able to like get that off wonderful space. Like, yeah, you know, Barbara in the beginning was there to be her guardrails, but I, I agree with you. I think this, like, she needed a moment, like, I'm going to do this authentically me. And she lost herself in this season for sure. I just find it really, I'm still stuck up on, like, the same person that was like, Roy, my boyfriend, who I love, I'm not going to go to Spain with you for six weeks because I am dedicated to starting up my business and getting organized. I know how to prioritize. Suddenly doesn't know what a CFO is suddenly like, like let's Shandy do all these crazy things suddenly like starts sleeping with her boss suddenly. Like, I just like, I, I don't know. It's too much of a disconnect. It's too much of like a cognitive dissonance for me. Like, yeah, I get that. They could have done it differently. I get that the storyline is like, she, she leaves season two on top. She's a boss. Hashtag boss lady season three. Oh my gosh. But they did it in a way that her foibles 
Like she could have had other hurdles. She could have had tough clients. She could have had clients bail. She could have had coworkers not accept her because she was the new boss. Like there was another, I know that's all like typical stuff, but I just didn't like, I just don't know why Jack was the mechanism for it. Cause it just made her look so naive and clueless, which mm-hmm. she is not. Yeah. I don't know. I have a, I like, I feel like after that conversation with May, I like have a little bit more respect for that storyline. Yeah. Is that they want it. It's almost like if I'm giving the most grace possible, they wanted to show this character that we love stepping into new and uncomfortable waters and fucking it all up. Right. And I didn't like it either, but I yeah. do, I, I do. I, and you know what? Like that does, that's life, right? If season three is all about life, that is like, as soon as you get comfortable and then you go outside of your comfort zone, it feels like you're stepping into new waters and you're fucking everything up. Like that is, that literally is what happens. Not, you don't t- immediately turn into an idiot overnight like they did with Keely, but yeah. there is that, that feeling of like, everything is like, I'm not doing anything right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, she wasn't. I mean, well, she wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, it just was a little too out of character for me. But we know here that Barbara comes back, which I think is a mm-hmm. real win, right? As as a testament to um, Barbara seeing. I mean, she's weird. She's quirky. We love her, but see something in Keeley. Mm-hmm. Rebecca decides to invest okay they pulled out their funding i can give you funding so we know that keely jones pr will not disappear right yeah yeah Yeah. no i thought it was i thought it was a good way i mean it was it was just one of those ted lasso moments where where you know she writes down on the post-it note the number of the funding that she got and rebecca's like i have that in my pocket Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah it was just great yeah all right. Anything? What What is left to talk about in this one? We didn't really touch on the on the Uncle Day and the tie dye T shirt, but you know, I think that's okay. It was a very cute. Or was that the last episode? No, that was this episode. Yeah, Roy ha- Roy is bringing a little bit of color into his life, and the episode ends with an apo- like with an apology to um, Keely too. So we okay. start thinking that Roy and Keely are going to get back together cuz Roy is like fa- like through Rebecca like through Rebecca challenging him, through him kind of like stepping into his like authenticity. He's like realizing that he was the cause of all of the problems in his life and so he goes and apologizes to Keely and says like everything was my fault, none of it was yours. And so we start getting some hope that Roy and Keely are going to get back together. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because he, he does show up at our door in that, that tie dye t-shirt. That's right. I, mm-hmm. what, what, what that uh, apology to Keely reminded me of, you know, it, it, if we can build a parallel to the work setting is that, um, you know, we talk about apologies and good apologies, you know, quite a bit on this show, but there are times where you have to be like, because here specifically, here's the thing I want to specifically call out. It's basically he's saying, if I ever made you feel like less of the rock star or amazing, talented person than you are, I apologize. And I think there are moments that you're going to have a teammate or a manager or someone, or it might be you, where you have to apologize. Like, I was dealing, here's what was in my head. And I apologize if I ever made you feel like you were not doing your job or performing or holding up your end of the bargain or um achieving great things because that's not like especially because that's um 
people want to know that they're doing a good job. People want to know that they're contributing. People want to know that they're valued. And so if someone's bullshit gets in the way and makes someone feel mm-hmm. less than like, I think I, I, I definitely see that happen. I don't see the apologies happen that often, but I, <laughs> but I do think people often second guess their abilities because of someone else's bullshit. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Don't and try not to do that. It's always the other person's shit that's making you feel that way. Yeah. But you will have to like, I think if anyone younger is listening, like you will, like that is a life experience is that somebody else's bullshit is going to make you feel like shit. Yeah. And it takes just a while to understand that everyone is messy. Everyone is like little insecure babies and it, and, and it will happen, but you will, you'll learn to get past that and not to take other people's bullshit on for yourself. Yeah. I definitely have been the one apologizing for that too. <laughs> um, I've been on both ends, but Same. I think, also, yeah. but I think also it's really important to acknowledge when like, it, I mean, it's not enough to acknowledge like, oh, I'm getting in my own way. You also be like, and maybe I got in the way of other people too. And what do I need to sort of clean up here? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we are almost at the end of the season. We got two more episodes left with season three of Ted Lasso. And then we better like, if we want to keep this unpaid job of ours on the podcast, we got... no, we've got some fun stuff. I definitely know we got to talk about the bear. That'll be fun. Season mm-hmm. two. Yeah, we got lots of good stuff going. We got lots of ideas for you. We do. We do. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But we are coming up <laughs> to the end of Ted Lasso. So join us. Two more episodes left. Woo. We'll see you here next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.